0: It's mid-April, and or I guess early April here on the Illini Enquirer podcast, and that means it is basketball off-season time, which is some of the busiest time uh, for us that cover Illinois basketball, and we haven't talked to Michael Tuop since Illinois got bounced in the NCAA tournament in the second round by a very, very good Houston team. So on this podcast, we're going to talk all about the off-season. I can't wait to get Michael Tuop's take on the transfer portal, a former player, what he thinks of all of this that's going on. But First, Mike, I want to talk about the end of the season uh, and just the the season in in general because we've had a couple of weeks to digest this. We are recording this before North Carolina and Kansas, the the (laughs) blue-bloodiest final we've had in a while. That's going to happen tonight after we record this. But Mike, here we go. Illinois gets a share of the Big Ten regular season title. They have a consensus first-team All-American, three All-Big Ten players but also an NCAA tournament second round exit. So how do you feel about that 21-22 Atlanta basketball season?
1: Isn't it always difficult to have any type of perspective at the conclusion of a season? Cause it feels like your entire year builds up between the bracketology and uh, on the bubble, off the bubble, you know, that's, that's all it leads up to all year. So I think at times it's, that's the the appropriate weight that gets put into the NCAA tournament. So now, it, you know, you're left with all that leading up to one single elimination nation game, essentially single elimination the nation tournament. Um, it's like the all's well that ends well, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I know that that a lot of people adopt that mentality with the NCAA tournament. And you and I talked about this at, you know, a lot during the season where it's just, Hey, how do you grade a season? How, how do you do it? You know and and I think you and I are both in the camp of of regular season success conference success um, because that's the biggest body of work that I think you have and if we're going based off of that I the season was a success I mean there's no question about it you're you're able to uh, you know when you talk about all the absences okay and we talk about the injuries and the illnesses and um, you know instability at times in terms of lineups and Uh, to be able to hang a banner through all of that uh is, is is pretty incredible um you know i i think it's another building block for this program i think it's a reminder that as you keep going through all this it's just a kind of what got you there won't get you there um and i think that's what what kind of scratches the itch uh for a lot of these coaches and and players it's coming back and and seeing what happens and how you can reassess and how you can go after this off season and um look i think you know a lot of what happened this year can be a recruiting tool um i think a lot of what happened this year can be a portal tool um i know both of those are, are pretty synonymous but um now that next step is hey how can we find some sustainability through march yeah Right. And, and I, I think you look at little things that maybe are um, under the radar a little bit. I think IO success is a big deal this year. I know it's outside of Illinois basketball directly, but in terms of recruiting and, and being able to pitch a, a lead guard and um, Kofi's development too, and, and whether or not he comes back, uh, you know, you can bring a big man and you can genuinely sit them in the office and say, Hey, you know we can we can develop you into a first team all-american uh I, I know that's easier said than done but look when kofi came in that wasn't the case it was it was it was rough at times this freshman year um and i've said that a lot that i don't think that i think it's unfair to almost paint kofi in this light of like seven foot 280 man of course you're a first team all-american because it wasn't always like that and, and he, he progressed so much.
0: Well, and you can see it, Mike. I mean, not not to pile on the guy that, that, that leaves now, but Omar Payne was ranked similarly, right? And yeah. he's got he's got some skills and, and you know, tools that Kofi doesn't have and it didn't work out here at Illinois, but it's a credit to both Kofi and Illinois. And I feel like we shouldn't overlook that story of how much better Kofi got this year, even from being a consensus second team all American. Yeah. He had an unbelievable year. Uh, You know, he had the concussion, he had the suspension, but he was fantastic this year. And when everything else didn't seem to be going right towards the end of the season, he gave them a chance. Like, he basically won Chattanooga along with Coleman Hawkins. He allowed you to compete against Indiana along with, I think, Coleman and and Andre Curbelo in that game. Uh, And he was really good against Houston and, and no one else really was. So you knew you could count on that guy night in and night out. And that's why you'd love to have him back, right? And that's why you're going to miss him if he leaves. Because just knowing you got, at worst, 15 and 10 or 15 and 8 every night out of your center spot, unbelievable luxury.
1: It raises your floor. We've talked about that all year, right? It raises your floor. And at, at minimum, when you have Kofi and when you surround him with some good pieces, you're competing for a Big Ten championship. At minimum. Right, A Big Ten regular season championship, you're competing in that. Because he just – we talk about his gravity, and he just – he has that. And I understand that you have to play a certain way with him, um, and, and you play a certain way without him. But, look, I think this team – you mentioned it. First team All-American, hanging a banner. Um, and it's crazy, too, how we look at – you know, if they get past Houston, it's weird, right? They get past Houston, and they play Arizona, and then you lose to Arizona – are we looking at the season just complete is this all of a sudden just completely different? I, that's, that's what I understand about the NCAA tournament. I, there's something about that round of 32 to 316. Yep. It's just one game. It's that week. Some for some, it's that yeah, week it, of
0: just feeling great about your team, Mike. Because like, what, Purdue was the only – Purdue in uh, Michigan this year. Only Big Ten teams. You're getting talked about. People are doing Kofi Coburn features. You're traveling to San Antonio if you want to go there. I've been saying for a while, the Illinois fans just need that week. This program just needs that it. week of basking in the glow of being one of the top 16 teams teams in the country, even though I think they were that over most of the season. uh, It's just having that moment. They haven't had it. You haven't had it since 2005. And, and that is the next hurdle uh, for this team. But just, just to bring that up, this team got hurt at the wrong time, right? It was like the Clippers last year uh, in, in the NBA playoffs, like Paul George could do his thing and Kofi Coburn can do his thing, but Jacob Grandison was an important part of your team. Andre Curbeau was an important part of your team and obviously wasn't very good. And, and Trent Frazier just wasn't the same down the stretch. Your guard play was just subpar.
1: Yeah, and I think tournament too, look, it's a, it's a guards game. If you've seen anything from this Final Four and really Sweet 16 on, it's it's just a guards game. And that's not to say that Illinois didn't have the guards this year. It's they needed those guards to to play at a higher level Um you know in in March and, and it's really that simple I mean look at this title game tonight okay you got you got love and you got Davis and then you got on the other side you got Abaji. I mean if you want to throw him in as a guard obviously he's more of a wing Braun and um, you know Remy Martin and, and Harris and you know it's it's good guard play and I get McCormick was fantastic last game and, and I understand that Amardo Baycott is, has been tremendous as well um, but look who's who's making the difference at the end of those games Braun blew that game open for Kansas Okay. And, and and then Caleb Love kind of shut the door on, on Duke. It's 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 a it's a common theme, and it's something where man, it, like I said, it is a it is a guard's game, and and I think having the versatility too uh, defensively is a big piece of this. Um, when you look ahead to hey, w- what are the areas to address? And I know I'm sure we'll yeah. we'll cover that later, but um, the switchability uh, defensively having more length defensively and makes you less matchup dependent. Um, you know, it makes you, it makes you have to analyze a little bit less when it comes to, okay, what is our path? Like, who are we playing? Cause here's the reality and this, I'll stand by this Illinois on their best day. if you get the best Coby Coburn, the best Trent Frazier, the best Alfonso Plummer, the best Andre Corbello, the best Coleman Hawkins, they can beat, and they would have beaten Houston. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. But the difference is the way Houston is built and the way Houston is constructed, they can be really good more consistently.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If that makes sense. Like if you're long, if you defend, if you rebound at a high level, then the one thing that you don't have to worry about, like the making shots is icing on the cake. And that's the difference between you sneaking that game out or winning it by 15 plus for Illinois most of the time this year because they didn't have that length because you know they were dependent on Kofi at times and they were dependent on the three-point shooting that's really what it came down to was okay if we're going to win in a single Malaysian tournament we got to make shots because mm-hmm. the defense was there like they were guarding as much as they were undersized and you know if you're going to play Andre Corbello Plummer and Frazier at the same time you better be damn good offensively because they did all they could defensively to try to kind of stem the tide but like I said, a lot of that is is matchups too. I mean, if you said, we talk about that sweet sixteen and getting to that second weekend. If you said, hey, you're a four seed, you play South Dakota State, and then you play Richmond, right? And then you go like it's it's Houston instead of Richmond, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 hard, man. And it's that's why it is. It's always just a toss-up yeah. in this tournament. I go back to when Villanova won the national championship. I, I believe it would have been 20 2016. Right, 2016 they win a national championship. 2017 they're a one seed again, and their eight nine game they play Wisconsin, and it's Nigel Hayes, and it's like that's a tough game, and and Wisconsin squeaks that game out and wins it. Mm-hmm. And you're going home, so it's just I I don't know. That's it's but it's why everyone loves that turn. Yep. It's why everyone loves Selection Sunday, right? And and why they love that Selection Show is just because that can truly determine your fate at times. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I think those guys and those those guards the, the injuries you needed jacob grandison especially in a game like that i know he tried to give it a go he wasn't healthy um and he's their connector yeah he's their connector offensively he's their best post-entry passer we've talked about that all year and he he's a good cutter like he he, he makes things less stagnant offensively and then you add a 41 percent three-point shooter to it as well and, and a guy who who competes on the glass it's it's more of a um you know it's you miss him a lot more than you think Mm -hmm. i think in those in those type of games so yeah unfortunate kind of the way that those injuries shook out and and you know but i think moving into next year it's a reminder right because there were certain things towards the end of the year that didn't work um or weren't projectable to make a tournament run and i think as a coach sometimes you can be fooled if they somehow made some sort of elite eight run based off of draw or had like kansas's path or you know then you're tricking yourself into thinking that that what you just did is works moving forward and i think this is another year to kind of level set and say okay we really need to address some things if we want to get to that next level okay i'm not i'm not sitting here saying like illinois program they need to figure some things out because the foundation's there okay can you win championships boom yes can you tell recruits that? Boom, yes. Now it's, hey, can we get guys in that can give us a higher, fl- an even higher floor in March and an even higher ceiling in March to try to really go attack this thing and get to a final four?
0: Yeah, my takeaway, Mike, is Brad Underwood's done an unbelievable job of getting talent into this program, changing his system to that talent, mostly Kofi, right? Uh, but even a even guy like Plummer this year, bringing in a guy that you're just like, hey, this guy's an elite trait. And one of my one of my favorite memories of the season is his eight game ridiculous streak from like Thanksgiving to Christmas. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. But kind of finding his way to win with that increased talent. And now you're at this point where you should be able to draw the talent you want to play your way. So I was going to ask you about the staff takeaways. Like, what are your takeaways from a revamped staff around Brad Underwood and how they react? to this season, which had a bunch of success, but obviously not the March success that they wanted.
1: Yeah, I think you always it's, – it's always interesting, too, because I think when you're, when you're a staff and when you look at the season itself, there's, there's a couple things that you have to do. I think for one – and I say this just – that whole job as a coach and that whole job as a staff – and I say this just from being in those locker rooms and, and watching them, I, I spent so much time in those offices to the point where they're probably like, dude, get this kid, out of, like, get out of here. Like, I, was just, I was always in the offices, um, especially in the off season. It's how can we strike a balance between assessing, right? Letting things play out yeah. and putting together these contingency plans and, and hypothesizing, okay, if this, then what? Okay, and like you need to have all of that in order, and that's why that job never stops. Okay, because you could go to bed with some sort of roster dynamic one night and wake up with a completely different one nowadays. And that staff, I actually, I, I really, I don't think Brad Underwood gets enough credit for the way that he put together this staff. I think elevating Jeff was a home run. There's no question. I think he's just the, the relationships that he's formed. Um, what he does in recruiting, how personable he is. Um, Tim Anderson, right? Unbelievable. Just the the ties that he has, how connected he is. And and I think, too, he's a guy that, you know, he's able to resonate with players and and he has that player development mindset um, to where you're not only thinking about how a certain guy's game fits into the team and, and and the scheme and the concept, but it's, hey, how can we optimize your game within that? And and he's a master at that. And then Chester. You know, Chester is a guy that we know what he's done for this university. We know the way he played and he embodies exactly what Brad Underwood, you know, Pizza Hut parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you go out to Baltimore, he probably had his fair share of run-ins in Pizza Hut parking lot. But again, just putting together a staff like that, I think when you look and you assess, you say, All right, how can we work to our strengths um as a staff? And then you divide and conquer. But shoot, this portal, I don't know, you got to almost try to th- be four steps ahead because the things can kind of unravel quickly. So if you don't have those contingency plans in place, you can be kind of hung out to dry. Um, so yeah, no, I think, I, I think the takeaways for the most part is, you know, we, we, we have what we need uh, in terms of competing for Big Ten championships. I think that's there. I think that next step is how can we get guys in here um, that can take us to that next step in, in March. And I think that's, that's probably at the top of their board in that, in that coaching locker room. But also it's, it's, I'll, I'll mention this too. It's in this off season, you focus so much on the portal. You focus so much on who can we get, who can we bring in, who can make a difference. You got to keep recruiting your own guys too. You have to like you, because, because the allure is there. You know the appeal is there for a lot of guys that are like you know what let me get re let me get recruited again okay maybe maybe i was the guy that was getting you know xyz looks but now that i've shown some things and shown some potential hey maybe i can maybe i can get a kentucky right maybe i can get a, a, a north carolina right and i think that's part of what is the draw for a lot of these kids going into the portal so you always need to stay on your p's and q's as a staff right where it's like i need to make sure our house is in order right before we add somebody to the house are we good here? And constantly assessing that as well. All right. Who, all right. Boom, boom, boom. You good. You good. All right. Great. And that's not like selling them on something that isn't real. Right. It's staying engaged. Right. It's just, you know, making sure that that they are fully in tune and locked in with what the plan is going to be next year and how they fit into that and, and being honest with them about it. Um, I think all that is, makes a huge difference. So I know I went into like a million different directions with that, but you start talking about the staff, and it makes me think about this—the off season and how there's a lot of stressors that go along with the, the regular season, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like the season ends, and you're like, "Okay, March, April, take a breath," right? No, it, it, this is when things get crazier because that stress that you that you focus that like you focus on during the regular season that can somewhat be subsided by taking care of business in March, late March, April, May. As crazy as that sounds, so it just it never stops, man.
0: All right, Mike, let's talk about that offseason. That's what everyone's really interested in right now. And I'm just wondering, from my perspective, if you're a fan, like I cover this from the reporter standpoint. This is a crazy time. Like keeping up with this, there's such a demand by fans to know what's going on. What's this rumor? What's this random Twitter guy with no followers saying? Like all of that. So it's really stressful from our perspective. It's also good for business, but it's from the players perspective i'm wondering from the former player perspective with you you just mentioned the coach perspective what do you think of the portal uh this wasn't here when when you were in college you were a grad transfer so it started to feel that way but that was a very small percentage we have 1100 players already in the portal and we haven't even finished
1: the season yet mike so what do you think of the portal good and bad right just like there is to anything the good in it is you know it gives these kids it doesn't penalize kids that you know if you are in a bad situation um always go back to hey 17 18 year old 18 years old making one of the biggest decisions of your life depending on who's in your corner depending on you know who's running your recruitment uh au coach high school coach mom dad you know friend of a friend i mean who knows it it doesn't penalize these kids for potentially making the, you know, not the best decision the first time around. So I like that to where you can go and you can transfer immediately and you can be eligible immediately. Now, the bad side of it, in my opinion, is it's an easy out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there isn't much incentive to stick around and fight through adversity when you can simply go just play somewhere else next year, where, where in your mind the, the grass may be greener. And I think specifically with a lot of these high major transfers, some of it is just, you know, and and coaches, they can, you know, you can recruit, you can evaluate. And I don't think you truly know how a kid will react. Every kid, if they're going to the high major level, for the most part, was probably the guy Hmm. on their AU team or one of the guys or, you know, uh, the guy on their high school team. So when you get on campus, when there are other players, when there are upperclassmen, and now things are a little bit different, every kid reacts differently to that. And and I don't say, like, every kid throws a fit, but, like, some kids just have the mindset of, like, hey, I came here to develop. And some kids, truly, I I mean, they can lose confidence like that because they've never been in that position before. And and when you lose confidence, you're not as good of a player. So now you're not as good of a player, and you can start saying, okay, well, it's my situation. And if I go somewhere else, then – boom, I can, you know, immediately be into a situation that's better for me. Yep. Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. And I look at the mid-major side of it. You and I talked about it before we were recruiting. I mean, these mid-majors are getting gutted, gutted, man. It's a like AAA and, and, and baseball see, right now, yeah. It is, and, and I, I, look, I, like, I, I'm, I'm close with a lot of different mid-major staffs and it's hard. Like this is their livelihood and it's almost like they're prisoners of their own success. Mm-hmm because you look at some schools where you go and you you have an NCAA tournament win or you go to the NCAA tournament now you got your guys playing on the biggest stage and it's like an audition it really is so now it's it's hey we got these guys coming back next year we're going to compete for another title to make it to another NCAA tournament and boom boom they're out they're in the portal and now what because it's hard it's much harder for a mid major to reload than it is for a high major because it's just there's whether it's nil different amenity like there's just there's a lot more of a draw in that sense and i always say too you know with these a lot of kids that go from high major mid major to high major you and i talked to us before like i have like an excel sheet full of mid to high major transfers because it's fascinated me over the years where everybody makes that leap and almost nobody replicates their production and i get that that's probably not the number one goal but there's a lot of kids that think they will okay, you know, hey, I score 25 points on Purdue in the non-conference. So if I go play for Ohio State or if I go play for pick a school, Minnesota, that means that I'll score 25 against Purdue, which means I'm a Big Ten player. And it's just a faulty way of thinking about it.
0: I'll I'll use an example. I'm not trying to pick on the kid because he played good defense his years here, but Mark Ostork. Right. One of the reasons yeah. they got him was to, to score because you're so good at it was right. State. Right. Like, and uh, you know, they, he didn't replicate that here. It just wasn't as easy for him. And, and you see that everywhere, but I can't blame these kids for the opportunity, right? Like they can Whoa. now do this. They can now, you know, test themselves at the highest level. And I asked you offline. I'm like, what would Mike down have done? Like in 2016, 2017, when he's one of the best mid-major players in the country, I, I wonder about that. Like, would we have had a guy that stays at a mid-major for four years? Not seeing that very much.
1: And you don't. And as a transfer, at times, I mean Dame you know, Lillard? From, like Dame Millard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 I still stand by the fact that if you are really clicking with a mid-major, and if you're not like a surefire go to the go to high major and be an impact guy right away you know balls in your hands usage is high if you're not going to be one of those guys it's just to me it's just not the right decision Mm -hmm. to go do it because i actually think that a lot of those kids um in their mind it's hey i go play at a higher level increase my pro prospects it doesn't work like that i think a lot of people think that it does but if you can be really really good at the mid-major level and develop your game because that's the other thing not only do you need to go to a place where there's good player development, you need to be able to be on the court to make certain mistakes to learn and develop yourself. And if you don't do that, uh, and if you or if you do do that at the high major level and you make those mistakes that lead to less playing time, then now you're actually hurting your stock. And I'm not talking about the NBA, I'm talking about for a lot of these kids, just to go play and, and, and make a good living professionally in Europe. You know, it's just, it's, and I'm, I'm very passionate about this because in my personal opinion, like I saw it firsthand. Like I was a very, um, I was a very good high school player. Uh, you know, I was 23 a game in high school. I was an All-State guy. I was, um, you know, I was dropping 40, 50, you know, in, in AU games against high major players. So my, in my mind, I thought, if I can do this against them, I can be a high major player. And it wasn't until I got to Illinois that I realized like, oh, wait, like Kendrick Nunn's a thing, you know, like, oh, these other guys, like, you know, there's all these other guys that are a little bit longer than me, a little bit taller than me, Um, you know, maybe like move their feet a little bit, whatever it may be, when you get to that level, you minutes go away like that. Like if, if I name three things about, you know, what somebody could probably do better than you on the floor, you can probably equate five minutes to those things I just mentioned. So take 15 minutes away right there. Right. And then take another five away for, for this certain ball screen coverage we want to run that maybe you're a big, that isn't great in hedging or, or drop coverage and look it evaporates quickly. So I think with the portal, it's going to keep maybe correcting itself to where guys, understand and have a better concept of like what their level truly is but i'll say this you know you don't know until you're in it mm-hmm. and, and for a lot of these high major coaches too oh, this is the last thing i'll say if you're a fifth year if you're a guy that maybe has two years left you're a rental like you're a rental and and whether or not they you know they can recruit you and the idea in recruiting you is hey you could work out, you might not work out, but this isn't a four- year investment. Right. So it's just understanding that and, and I think it goes both ways too. It, like being able to be a high major player that maybe it didn't work out at the high major level and saying, hey, you know what? let me go let me go play because I think there's, there's no substitute for playing and playing your game because that was that was the best thing for me. You know like I could have kept grinding my way to like crack the rotation every now and then like I did at Illinois. I want to play man yeah you know by the time i got there for my fifth year i was like starting every game and playing 30 minutes a game and it just i loved it yeah like I, I loved it and I, and I think you don't know until you do it and but i think there's going to be pros and cons for the portal moving forward and you knew this is what was going to happen right when they went to the immediate eligibility uh is what's was going to happen but like the pros and cons because the, the pro is you could build your team quickly like you mentioned the con is you could lose your team quickly so there wasn't a
0: portal. You had to ask Illinois to, you know, or you know, transfer the old school way here. Um, what what was that like for you as a grad transfer, Mike? What was your experience like was Was it nerve wracking the moment you went to the portal? Did you know you were going to have interest elsewhere? What was that like for you?
1: Hey, you're taking me back. I want, um, I want some storytelling. So here. It, <laughs> it's funny because the the way that it all worked out. For me I was uh, the original plan was for me to redshirt I believe it was my junior year and because I knew I wanted to preserve a year regardless and then Tracy went down mm-hmm. so now I was like hey you know you might be able to play and you know we were short on guard so and um, I said okay you know I'll I'll burn another year And i just i quickly realized again it's just you know the at six foot 160 pounds like i'm I'm not like a like i could dunk the ball but like i wasn't like a supreme athlete Mm -hmm. so just naturally that alone is just it's the the deck's going to be stacked against you in a sense so about you know maybe it's funny because the first two games of my junior year I had like seven in our opener and then nine in our next game. And I was like, oh, I'm like eight a game. All right, cool. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm not playing anymore. Yeah. Um, so I knew, I knew probably midway through the, my junior season that I was preserving that senior year to get that fifth year. And I, like the staff was on board with it. Like we had talked about it, um, but it was just, the, the funny thing was my senior year, you know, I announced I was redshirting in the summer Like I was going to preserve the year. I was going to play the upcoming year. And then Kendrick goes down and then Tate goes down. And then like, we have all these injuries to start the year. And I was for, like, I talked to Gross about it. I was forced with this decision where it's like, Hey, I could play, you know, probably 20 minutes a game at a big 10 school for, you know, like my state school that I played high school in and for like maybe two weeks. And then Kendrick was going to get healthy again. And these guys were going to come back. And then, like, what was that going to look like? So I had the opportunity to play play for, you know, and, and Gross told me too, it was like, this, is, this isn't a guarantee this is going to be past, like, two, three weeks. Because once yeah. these guys come back, like, we got to play Kendrick, right? And, and, like, I'm pretty self-aware. I understand that. So it was the decision of, like, do I burn this year for whatever this feeling is going to be the next two, three weeks of, like, playing bigger minutes, or do I preserve it you know, with the feeling of going and playing somewhere and getting my degree and, and feeling like I accomplished that. I, I set out to what I wanted to graduate from the University of Illinois. So that year goes by and, you know, and then the season ends. And I think when you're a 21 year old that is so focused on what this next step's gonna be, you haven't played much the last four years, you're itching, like you're competitive, you're, you know, you've been dying for this so your recruitment is the biggest deal in your head Mm -hmm. and you also think it should be the biggest deal to everybody else yeah so you know gross said hey you know put together 10 schools that you know you want us to reach out to and we'll float you know we'll we'll make some calls we'll do this and that and um i put together those schools and just in my head it was like oh this should be first order of business for you know (laughs) john gross who's coming off of like Right. a tough year and and it wasn't and i understand why it wasn't what a 21 year old of me probably didn't understand that right but you know I, like i i started to panic a little bit right because now we're getting into like i don't know it, it was probably early april and this was and this was
0: like the eventful off season too wasn't it with like kendrick a lot and, going yeah, on yeah and all that stuff yeah
1: a lot going on yeah a lot was going on with the team and guys were getting you know kicked off and it was just and then in the middle of all of this i'm like you make those calls you know like you know it's just, it just it just it seems so crazy so i was yeah. you know i was in such a panic um because i really i just you know so i started sending my film and and like emailing coaches and um and i got a lot of interest you know i got a lot of calls i remember uh, watching the ncaa tournament from my uh we went down to florida my family we went down there for spring break and uh phone started ringing right and a lot of it was coaches that recruited me in high school resurfacing um but then some new coaches you know I, when i was when i was transferring i was i was talking to to central florida um i was talking to like hofstra uh, you know there's a lot of different schools uh and then I had visited I think I've said this on this podcast before but I took a visit in October of my senior year I missed the first practice the first Illinois practice that year my senior year to go watch South Dakota State I left like I talked to Gross I was like hey I know this is unique most people don't graduate or don't redshirt their senior year Mm -hmm. so uh, and he's like you got to go it's a great opportunity and he was fantastic through all that just kind of you know not holding it against me yeah. and i still wanted to be able to assess what was going on so i went out to south dakota state watched you know practice their opening practice when it did the whole campus tour did everything and at the end of it you know coach nagy was my first offer in high school at south dakota state so it was familiar mm-hmm. there we went to dinner the last night and he was like we need to know man we recruited you in high school you passed on us now we're doing it again like are you coming here or not and i was like am i really about to commit to a school in october of my senior year while i'm still in another school like that sounds crazy yeah so i told them i'm like i, I can't make a decision until the spring yeah. right so they're like okay and they were great about it but we get to the spring i'm starting to get calls i'm getting recruited you know they're still talking to me south dakota state is and then i'm in san francisco uh, i just went out to go catch a couple warriors games And uh, I get the news that Scott Nagy's leaving South Dakota State. And I'm like, (laughs) all right. So uh, that was probably the school I was most familiar with. And now they're gone. So like, where is he going to go? All right, he's going to Wright State. Okay, they won 22 games last year. What's their roster look like? Is it going to be? I texted Nagy. I was like, hey, congrats on the new gig. And he was like thanks mike uh and that was really it and i was like all right so they that might be it and then uh ended up getting a call and from coach cooley who i'm, I'm really close with he's at colorado state now and he was just kind of like hey uh i think we have a really good opportunity for you at, at rice state we, we still have some guys from a 22 win team it's not some sort of rebuild we can compete we can go to the tournament um I went there and visited, and I was just kind of blown away. I mean, a lot of these mid-major schools don't have a single facility for you to go to, and I just didn't want to waste any time. Yep, it was it was my first visit for my fifth year, and I was like, "Boom, I'm done." Yep, know these guys, and that was it. It's more and, and more business
0: like at that point, isn't
1: it? It was, yeah. It was yeah. just, yeah. I, I wasn't all like into the hoopla of like, you know, my I, I probably handled it the wrong way coming out of high school. I was like, "What? Who is the biggest fish that can call me?" Right, you know, and like that was the way I was wired, and. You have a little bit more, uh, I guess, groundedness when yeah. you're 21 and you're like, okay, screw that. I just want to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to play. Where's the best opportunity to do that but also win some games? And we won 20 games. We should have won the conference tournament that year but didn't. But uh, it's stressful, man. And I think for a lot of these kids now in the portal, it's there's much more competition in the portal now than for when I was there mm-hmm. or when I was leaving because there was always the deterrent of – oh, shoot, I got to sit out of here, mm-hmm. right? So some kids stayed just because of that. And then they made it to their grad year, and then they left because it was no penalty. Now it's just – you. there's so many guys getting in the portal that probably think they're going to go D1. They're probably going to end up getting bumped down. Yep. Um, it's sad, man. But, yeah, that was my story, and I won't bore you with any more <laughs> of it, but um, it's stressful. It's stressful. I feel for a lot of these guys because you kind of go off into the unknown. Um, I do think there's some – You know for some certain guys certainly wasn't for me but for certain guys some of that stuff's done um before you go into the portal no uh uh, yeah (laughs) i mean i I know i'm not breaking any news here (laughs) but it happens a lot um and things move quickly so it's 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 a wild wild world with the portal but i'm addicted man what can i say i i'm I'm on I, i refresh verbal commits probably every 10 minutes I and, I, and I literally that. have no reason. I have no reason to do it, Jeremy.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's the same reason. Like I, me during MLB off season. like I, I can't get enough of it. And even though half the rumors don't come true or whatever it is, you're just addicted to it. You, you refresh. You're like, Oh, what could be, what could happen? Because it's all, everybody's got hope. It's, it's an off season where everybody's got hope and you're not reliant, Mike, on just one or two high school kids that are left. Or you're not taking some flyer on some kid from Europe, right? Like, now you can go get somebody who can start for you and be a huge part of your team the next season. So I get it. It's 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 college basketball free agency, and there's a lot of hope. It's like the NFL draft. Everybody has hope on that day. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about potential additions here coming up, but we do have two departures. Omar Payne, not a huge surprise, but he's going to have to sit out unless he gets a waiver but clearly he doesn't see a role and just didn't work out for him this year but let's focus on Andre Carbell you and I both like him as a player but we can both admit offensively was a really rough year for Andre Mike I look at this and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth that probably best for both parties because I think Andre obviously needs a reset I don't know if you can get sure. that and I'm not blaming the fan base for this but like he's going to be under a microscope the next time he played a game for Illinois and the next turnover, Oh, you're going to hear the the groans and all that S- somewhere they can build around him. Right. So you have to kind of be all in on Andre Cabell. And I don't know if Illinois could do that with with Jade Epps and, you know, potentially some other options coming in, but wh- what do you think about Andre Cabell entering the, the transfer portal and, and the options he has? I, I still think he can be a really good player.
1: Yeah. I, I think you and I probably thought this was, like you said best for both parties and i'm an andre cabello fan just just as you are and um i think he's a tremendous basketball player i think we've seen some incredible basketball from him especially that freshman year i man i go back and watch some of those freshman year highlights (laughs) yeah it's unbelievable and and you could see the projectability into all american type stuff and i i don't think that those ex- expectations on him in preseason were crazy because I, I think he was doing it in practice. And, um, you know, and I think the way that he played towards the end of his freshman year warranted a lot of that stuff. And um, he grew leaps and bounds defensively. He turned into an elite defender by the time he was done at Illinois, which I think makes him even more marketable, uh, you know, in that transfer portal, but, but a fresh start makes sense. Uh, he had probably about as tumultuous of a year as I can remember and when I say when I say that, I mean the off season, right? Where the expectations, okay? You're a preseason All American according to a lot of people, and IO's gone. And how are you going to shoulder that uh, that load? And uh, it didn't look good to start the year, okay? Like he, you know, he put a lot on himself, and I, you know he's a competitor, and um, and then the concussion happens, right? And and he's out for two months. The team wins. Uh, the team makes a lot of shots when he's out and, and 13 and one when he's off the floor and comes back, it's like two games under his belt before COVID and just never really looked like himself to the point where, I I mean, I mean, he couldn't make a layup at the end of the season. And in, and it's tough because it's, I I mentioned earlier in the podcast it's a guards game in the NCAA tournament. And for better or for worse, you're going to live and die with your guards. And if your guards aren't playing well, it's hard to win, and that goes for Curbelo, that goes for Trent, that goes for Plummer, and some of those stretches too. So, look, I, I'm I'm really interested to see where he ends up, and I actually think I'm really excited to follow his career. Yeah, because I think if he can recapture some of that stuff he had his freshman year, um, and, and really take and embrace this reset and uh, settle into kind of who he is as a player, and um, and and hopefully learn a little bit from. You know, I, I can't say this definitively, but I'm just picturing when I was in the locker room as a 19, 20-year-old kid, you read a lot of stuff about you. Um, and I say that as I, that was me. That was me, okay? Like I, you know, when I was done, when I was done with a game that I played really well in, I'm checking my mentions on Twitter because the good, like all the good stuff makes me feel good, okay? Like I'm 19 years old. Give me a break. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and I think the I, I think is people
0: cool. are doing that until they're 45, 50. I, I know plenty of in, in my business, Mike. I get it. And I,
1: and I, and I know it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where everybody will sit there. Well, well, you just shouldn't read that stuff. It's like, well, okay. Well, if somebody gave you like a really good performance review at work at your company, you're not going to be like, I'm not going to look at it. I just, I need to focus on my job. I, I know you just filled that out and you're my boss and you're, or you're you know, one of my coworkers. And I know that's different than maybe just some fans, but but think about how insane that is, right? If like yeah. you're at some company and you're a sales guy and like some someone who just like loosely follows your company on LinkedIn, all of a sudden messages you is like, brutal quarter, man, like you suck. <laughs> uh, you just be like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, it would just, you know, and now and all of a sudden we're supposed to think it's supposed to be different for, yeah the i know in the nba it's always like will you make millions of dollars so shut up um but with these kids man like I, I don't think anyone really understands how much they read into that stuff um because if you if you do read the good social media doesn't have filters right i can't dip into this bucket only yeah. okay so if you pull back the curtain on on the good you pull back the curtain on the bad and if you search for it right if you look through your men- like if you look for your mentions and you see Four good and one bad. It's the one bad, man. Mike, I can't I, I, tell you how
0: many times after a football game or a basketball game, an athlete will like a tweet. I just mention their name in. They're they're searching their name, right? Yeah. Like they're they're searching their name to get those endorphins of the positive. But in the meantime. Really? they're they're reading the negative and, and people now are just, some people are terrible and just mention them, but that's why, that's why Josh Whitman cares about this. And it obviously affected Trent talked about it. Andre talked about it. Um, so I I know people were probably not going to reach those people, but if you know those people, they're tweeting at them, tell them to stop because it's, it's unless it's positive. Like, what are you doing? What what do you think you're, you're accomplishing by doing that?
1: Yeah. And I've always said too, it's, I had to think about this because when I, I – like I said, I, I cracked the rotation my junior year. I got in against Purdue in the first half. I, I'm all revved up. This, this means everything yeah. to me. Everything. Like this is my life. Like, I, I think about I, – I know I go to school, but I think about basketball 24-7. Okay, so like this is everything to me. And cracking the rotation, getting in the game. And a lot was riding on that playing time that I had. And I got backdoored for a dunk. Okay, and after the game, I go on Twitter, and I didn't even, I didn't, I for sure was not going to search my name, uh, but even just in my mentions, like, people tagging me, and like, you, it's a shame you get to wear the jersey, it's, you know, it, it's this, it's that, and like, I that stuff was, re- like, I internalized a lot of that stuff, and I, I've, I've learned as I've grown, and I've, you know, you get to 28 years old, you don't internalize it as much, but I do think that there's an element to it where you have to try as a player to have perspective of like, this is such a small part of that person's day. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're microwaving something and then they just look over at the screen. They send that little tweet at you, set it down, get their rice out of the microwave (laughs) and fill their bowl and go eat. And it's like such a small part. But I think the flip side of that to have perspective as a fan, it is a large part of the person that you're sending like their day. It is a large part. Yeah. and unless you do you like delete social media like there are some people and kudos to them if they can go on social media and like read stuff about them that and just like Laugh. not think anything of it at 19 20 years old you are light years ahead of not only just other college kids but other people so it's 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 really hard man um it's hard and i know it's like I could say this and it's like, all right, well, like, come on, like be more mentally tough or be more, but it's just, it's like the only line of business where we have just, you know, random people barking at you for stuff that you're really trying your best. Yeah. And and you guys, do.
0: you guys invest way more time and energy and effort and, and care into Illinois basketball than, than even fans, right? Like it, even, even the hardcore fans. So that's why I think people always got to get perspective. It's not like you're trying to struggle. Like the game is
1: hard. The game is yeah. really, really hard. And this is the last thing. This is the last thing I'll say about the social media thing in general. Is I think now with the NIL stuff, it is much harder to say I'm going dark on social media because you know this bank wants you to tweet out this or this. uh, You know, I know, I know. Trent had some stuff with Impact and. they want you to, to tweet this out or they want you to send this on Instagram or post about this. So you have to. Like you have to, you have to like be on it. And and if you're not on it, then you're less marketable. Right. So the NIL stuff, it's 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 much more than even just when I was there from 2012 to 2016 that we had to yeah. deal with. 2012 was I, I I told you we had a Twitter ban. Yeah. We had cause there were guys on our team that were going back, and these were upper class. They were going back and forth with fans when we lost, like, whatever, six, seven straight to the point where Gross came in and was like, uh-uh, no more. Everybody's off of Twitter. And then we, like, went on this run and, like, beat Indiana. And it was just – I don't know if that completely coincided, but it was it was close. I, ju- just- I
0: just looked that up, in uh, the big lead had a headline, Illinois is 5-1 since John Gross banned his players from Twitter. I don't know why that didn't stick with me. I remember him banning twitter but that didn't stick with me
1: i remember the him i i can picture him in the film room right now (laughs) i can picture him showing the tweets on the screen going back and forth and yeah i mean we just completely kind of shut it down and because
0: this was this was after your great start and then all of a sudden
1: you start to struggle year one right dipped and then yeah and then we just i think it was able we were able to kind of block out all that noise and i'll say this too like you know as a fan you have every right to be passionate um you know the, you know you you whether you graduate from the university or you're just a big fan you know the, the reaction you get i think is probably the reaction that you know if, if a player isn't playing well that player is probably more upset with themselves than you are at them yeah um they probably don't vocalize it to themselves the way you do to them but they they feel it and they want to to yeah. do better so yeah. anyways
0: Um, All right, Mike. So, obviously, you're hoping any other attrition happens at the bottom of the roster, right? Like, we can envision maybe post-players that that leave if if Kofi comes back, there's not a big role, or if Illinois wants to add another player. But, I mean, the keys right now are, right, Coleman Hawkins and R.J. Melendez returning. Like, Like Those guys seem to have star roles in front of them. In my opinion, it wouldn't make sense for either of them to leave. And I think two weeks after the season ends, you know, they're still here as of 422 on Monday, April 4th. That seems to be a positive sign because man, those guys are are going to be stars for your team next year.
1: Yeah, and there's and there's always different waves, right? You know, if you yeah. get two weeks, two weeks into the season concluding and they haven't put their name in the portal, and this doesn't just go for those guys, it goes for any team anywhere. There's different waves, right? It's everybody putting it into the portal. And then there's the recruitment, and then there's now guys yeah. coming onto those teams that will force more guys to go into the portal. So, which, which,
0: by the way, May 1st is the deadline to get the, the one-time transfer exception. So if you want to be eligible right away, you got to put your name in by May
1: 1st. Right, exactly. And I think that's – it's a cat and mouse game because I think a lot of guys, if you are in the portal, you want to understand what that roster looks like. But that roster could look like, by, look different, by from the time you commit to when you show up on campus. So, those two guys in particular, priorities, for sure. Um, and I mentioned it before that you can't stop recruiting your own guys. Um, and part of that too is just is, it's on the team as well. If you're a guy that knows you're staying and, and wants those guys to be a part of the team, um, you do your part too. Uh, and these guys have big roles ahead of them. Uh, I look at, you know, I, I thought Coleman was able, although he, you know, took a dip during the season, um, the way he kind of, you know, revitalized that, you know, his game and his season there towards the end was, was huge. And I think it should give him a lot of confidence coming into next year. Uh, I mean, blocked a game, game-winning block against Chattanooga, right? And then uh, Melendez, you watch him in that Houston game and it's like, oh, Man, man, all the star stuff that we were talking about and Brad Underwood's been talking about, you can just see it. He's just not afraid. I, don't, I really don't think there's any moment that is too big for him. And now give, giving him a bigger role to kind of expand his game a little bit more. And I'll say it too. Like, he's not going to be a 60% three-point shooter. So right. all the fans are expecting him to, you know, that, that typically doesn't project. Um, if he does, he'd, he'd be the all-time three point percentage leader if he qualified for attempts but you got to get those guys back um you have to uh because i think they're they're going to be big parts of not only just you know their role but these are two guys that are you know have won a big 10 regular season title and i think the more that you can keep guys on your team that have done that that's seen what, that have seen what it takes the better because then guys that come in can learn from those guys when you get Jaden Epps on campus sincere harris and and ty rogers they're surrounded by guys who have done it before. If you completely overhaul your roster and get 10 new guys in, now you got 10 new guys trying to assimilate themselves into the – into the. I, I had this my sophomore year. My sophomore year, we had nine new guys. Like my freshman year, it was me. The, the carryover was me, Ravante, Nana, Joe Bertrand, Trace. That was in April – like late March, April, and May, it was just us five yeah. on campus just working out together. And then you brought nine new guys in which they had to five graduated, four left and left four transferred. And there's just a natural thing with new guys. They, they, they kind of have to focus on themselves at first and getting themselves acclimated to where when you have more established guys like Melendez and Hawkins, and these guys have done it before, they know kind of what they have. So it's it, now you can pass it on, right? Yeah. Now you can go help that next guy. And I think that's what ends up building programs and, and and that's why it's really hard year after year to be like the full turnover team that tries to. Win. You if you're going to be the full turnover team, it better be supreme talent yep. that you're turning over into um, to to try to sustain the, the. I guess the notion that the eyes are going to be looking out for themselves, and it's not a selfish thing; it's a human nature thing. Uh,
0: look at right? Texas. Like everyone had them top five, they end up a six seed because they were really talented. But that that's kind of a perfect example. I want to ask you, Mike, what does the leap look like for those guys? You know, Coleman's always a guy that felt like his progression could look a lot like DJ Wilson. He's actually ahead of where DJ was. Uh, I don't know if the leap's going to be as as big as DJ's was his junior year. And then R.J. Melendez, you see some of these guys that were sophomores, played kind of small roles in the Big Ten, turn into stars. How, How big of a leap, or what does the leap look like for both those guys?
1: Yeah, I think you want to be able to kind of temper expectations um we always look at like we'll go and look at a guy's stats from his freshman and sophomore year and see like you know let's say he averaged three points a game his freshman year and nine points a game his sophomore year now we factor hey add another six Mm -hmm. now he's 15 again it just doesn't work like that so i i'll start with coleman hawkins i think coleman hawkins is is a good piece no matter how that team is constructed because of what he offers right energy effort you know if he can shoot it consistently absolute bonus now do i think that coleman hawkins can be like your first or second option probably not i think he almost i think it's almost better for his game to be more of like a you know a third fourth guy that is just energy and and you know you're, you're you're maybe focused more on kofi which opens up coleman more um you know, can he handle it a little bit? Yes. Uh, but I, RJ Melendez, I think is a guy that if Kofi returns this year, I, I do, I truly, I believe RJ can be your second guy. Um, and it's because he can handle it, right. He can come off of ball screens. He can score from all three levels. Um, he is that guy. Like I, like I, I see a lot of, you know, I, I, and please bear with me when I say this, but like, I, I see a lot of Johnny Davis, in the sense of like you know came off the bench i know johnny played a lot more his freshman year but great athlete um you know has a solid mid-range i think rj's probably even a better three-point shooter than than johnny is um but you know johnny's wired a certain way to where he was able to take that leap and be sure of himself i think rj's wired similarly um now does that mean that rj's gonna be like a national player of year (laughs) candidate next year no but i think he can take a leap that to turn into an impact player is what I'm saying. And and whether that looks like 12, 13, a game, uh, you know, rebounding at a high rate for, for his, for his position. Um, Like, I don't think it's crazy for RJ Melendez next year to be like, you know, a a 13 and 14 and six guy. Like, I think that's, I think he can absolutely do that. Um, Now it's going to come down to how this roster is constructed because You know, you look at a lot of teams this year, balance is good. You know, you don't need to have – I know Kofi's probably going to be – Kofi comes back next year, he's probably going to be 20 a game. Um, But there are a lot of really good teams in college basketball that are 15, 13, 12, 11, 9, 9. You know, like there's a lot of good teams like that. So um, I think R.J. Melendez projects more into like an impact, impact guy than Coleman Hawkins. But that's not to to say that Coleman can't make an impact because he can. We've seen that. Um, I just think it's – it's Coleman's is going to be much more predicated on what those pieces are around him, and RJ is going to be a guy that it may not matter what pieces are around him. He can kind of be that guy.
0: Speaking of that, um, you know, Kofi Coburn is such a focus because if he returns, Mike, they're going to be a Big Ten title contender again. Like yeah. That guy walks in, you're winning 12-plus Big Ten games. It's just the, the way it is. That's how good he is. Um, so, obviously, he shapes a lot of this offseason – I don't even know if I've talked enough about the potential of Jacob Grandison coming back uh, and and how important that could be for this team. But those two decisions are coming in the coming weeks. What what does that mean for Illinois next season?
1: I I mean, I'll start with, with Grandison first. I think we talked about his absence in the Houston game and how, how huge that was Um, very unsung in in what he's able to do. And a lot of it's not in, in the, In I guess in the stat sheet and, but he's a forty percent three point shooter over the past couple years. You you add a guy like that, we've seen some game off the bounce like he has. Um, Probably, like I said, best post entry passer. That's a pretty darn good piece to get back. Uh, I know we focus a lot on who do we get in the portal, who do we get out of high school, but this day and age, more than ever, retaining is huge. (laughs) Uh, it's huge 24 year old good shooter (laughs) pretty good yeah it's 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 it makes a huge difference so getting a guy like guy like him back would be massive now Kofi his decision's a big decision because your team changes drastically on depending on what decision he makes Um, and if he stays that's you know that's that's a cornerstone offensively that you're you're feeding in the post. That's that's drop coverage defensively in ball screens. Uh, that's a, a high percentage around the rim that you're getting. Uh, but we've seen the other side of it too, right? You know, it's it's things can get stagnant sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because because you are. I mean, you have to to involve him offensively. Um, so there's no question about that. Uh, and then if he leaves, right? You you really you have to alter your offensive system because um, depending on on what Dane Danger ends up being. then uh, that's for sure, like, that's to be determined, right? Um, I think you can play a little more five out with him. Uh, he's a little bit more skilled on the perimeter. Um, you can probably play a little bit more up-tempo, but with, with a lot of these teams that made a deep run in the tournament, there's a lot more switchability defensively. And I think Kofi did his, you know, played his part pretty well when he, when he had to do those uh, when he had to do that at certain times during the season. Now, is that – what's the shelf life on that? Right. Like, can he do that for an entire season? You probably don't want that. So, um, look, I, I think this team, like you said, the floor is risen um, on this team. They're a Big Ten title contender if that guy comes back. There's no question. Now, if he leaves, you have to move some things around. You have to reassess. Um, but there's certain other ways that you can play that I think can make you – still a team that competes for those championships um it's just more of a certainty with a guy like that so um and he's a guy that teams have to prepare for uh there's a lot to be said about that so those are two really big decisions uh and that's why i keep going back to these staffs it's it's a thankless job when you know and then the offseason where you're just reassessing and having putting these contingency plans together and um you know a lot of times these players kind of hold the the ball's in their court most the times, so you do your best to try to retain. Mike, I, I know
0: we're going really long here, but I want to uncover every stone with you. Um, if, if Kofi leaves, say he's just like, I, I'm I'm done, I've done everything I can, they need another big man, right? Like I mean, Coleman and Danger can play the five, um, but you, you need somebody else that they that can probably mix in there. I mean, Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk, I think, can be a solid piece for you, but just not quite as long as you want. Uh, and Brandon Lieb, I don't know if you're counting on anything from him. So uh, would you expect them to, to go get another big man or do you think they can just roll with Hawkins, Danger, and and say Bossman's Vernon? I,
1: I'd expect them to go get another big man. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason for that is if la- if this past season was any indication, there can be injuries, right? <laughs> there can be and, – and your bench shrinks quickly when things like that happen. And that's why I think we we spend way too much time doing the whole like okay well we have this guard so we don't we don't want to go out and get another guard we're good at this position you're you're never good at any position because there's so much that can happen throughout a season that kind of calls things into question and depth is great and and I think we talk too much about we talk too much about depth in terms of like how many guys we can play at right. you know and and keep in the rotation at once but depth's important just for Backups. Like, like, you know, when, when when all goes to hell and you get some injuries and it's good to have competitive depth. And they had that this year. I thought Podjemski came in and was was really solid in the moments where like you needed to to bring in a guard that fourth, fifth guard. You'd be surprised. A lot of teams when they have to go fourth, fifth guard, they're you know, there's a lot of guys that are going in there that, you know, were never going to play. Um and to have solid depth like that that's why you just have to keep recruiting right okay we we may seem like we're good on wings but we can get another one that just ensures us it makes it more competitive ensures us you know some depth but certainly at that position uh with those bigs and and like i said it allows you to play a different way for sure but um you're gonna have to address that koku leaves two guys we haven't mentioned here
0: you mentioned pajemski um, he's obviously going to have more competition at some point uh, during this yeah. off season coming in, but Luke Goody as well. I, I think we all expect Luke Goody to play a much bigger role. If, if those guys come back, what kind of leap do you think they
1: can make? It's hard to project, right? Because I think this roster is, it's so in flux <laughs> right now. I, I don't know who's going to be there in June. Right? right. And that's, that goes for a lot of schools. In the I, guess, I, guess, right now. I guess the better
0: question then for me would be what impact or like what what can they give Illinois? Like what can they give Illinois in that kind of competition, say, with whoever guard comes in, whatever wing comes in?
1: Yeah, I think I'll start with Luke Goody. I I think Luke Goody's there's no question what he brings from a leadership standpoint. We saw him too. I mean, I already talked about RJ Melendez in that Houston game, but man, Luke Goody kept you in it too. Ain't scared. And, yeah and like i said you know similar to coleman hawkins in a sense like do ever think that luke goody is going to be like your first or second option no and that's not a slight on the kid because there are some you know there are some guys that can be the reason why you win championships as a fourth option right like and if you don't have that guy that's what's beautiful about basketball if you don't have that guy you don't win said championships jacob Graham, there's a lot of guys <laughs> yeah like they're exactly like there's a lot of teams that have the one the first and second guy but what separates you is you know what value does your third fourth fifth sixth guy bring and i think that's why where, where luke goody falls in wherever he is three through six three through seven four through seven he brings so much value at those spots that i think you know moving forward no matter who you bring in you can always insert a luke goody because you know what you're getting right you're getting you know a pretty proven outside shooter you know you're you're getting a guy that can compete defensively has length has size um Pajemski's a little bit more of a curious case because heavily recruited out of high school um prolific scorer in high school 35 a game uh we saw glimpses of that this year uh can he be you know your go-to ball handler potentially um you know he i thought he competed defensively as well he's a guy that wants to get on the floor so like i said similar to goody whether Pagensky's like a fourth fifth sixth seventh guy i think he i think he offers a lot of value in those spots no matter what it is even if he's an eighth ninth guy again next year yeah. if you have injuries like to be able to insert a guy like Pajemski as opposed to like going way into guys you never thought would play that's you know that's that's value right there um now it just comes down to the kid right like and if Pajemski stays on board through all this geez credit him because i mean there's a lot of there's just a lot of kids that you know they don't they're heavily recruited they get an offer from kansas out of high school like he did or you know had a lot of different offers i mean i think kentucky offered too right i mean a ton of offers so now it's like you're not playing as much as you probably thought you would your first year illinois so do you stick it out and if you do kudos to you uh because there's so much uncertainty no matter where you go at that at that level so remains to be seen with him I think um but man you you certainly don't know you could you could try to pencil in a Jaden Epps pencil in a sincere Harris or these guys you never know until they get to campus I mean you really don't uh because like I said I'll tie it up, I'll tie it all back to where when you're the guy in high school when you're the guy on your AU team when you get to campus and you're not that guy and you don't have the ball in your hands 24-7 how do you react to that? And how does that impact you as a player? And I think that is kind of the avenue for Pajemski. Depending on how those guys are impacted, that could be what determines whether or not, he you know, how much he plays. I tell you
0: what, I think Chester Frazier liked the way that guy defended uh, as, as a freshman. And if he gets after guys in the offseason, I think uh, he's got a chance to to get a real role for this team. All right, the backcourt will be revamped, though, right? Like we know that yeah. we know who they're targeting. Jade Epps and Sincere Harris will be a part of that, but they need help, right? And and Jeremiah Williams goes to Temple. Obviously, Sky Clark is one Illinois is working on the five-star guard, but. We're hearing a lot of names that they're going after, Mike. So who intrigues you most? Our Derek Piper said today that Courtney Ramey, uh, Illinois has reached out to him from Texas, a tough nose guard, Terrence Shannon, obviously from Texas Tech. Brandon Murray is an unbelievable talent from LSU. And that kid down the road, Antonio Reeves, uh, from Chicago, but played really well at Illinois State as a scorer. Um, what, what intrigues you most out there in the portal for Illinois?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot that you have to factor in. Um fit uh, culture I-, I think a lot of times we just we can kind of see the player for who they are mm-hmm. and then you don't like is the person gonna work right i, I think you and and you know I-, I don't know any of these guys personally i, I know a few people that are close to Sky, um and i've heard amazing things about him uh just in terms of his person just uh, how down to earth he is and um, but I'll kind of go down the list here. I mean, you talk about Courtney Ramey, experience, right? You know, he he's an older guy. Uh, he's good size. I know he's six three. He competes defensively. Um, he kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit this year with all those transfers at Texas, and I'm sure that was part of it for him. And 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 you know, Shaka was his coach, and now Beard's his coach. So you know, whenever you see a coaching staff change like that, you got to expect some attrition for the guys that were there. Um, He hasn't shot it consistently. Um, I know he was – I think he was 41% his sophomore year from three. This year I think he was more 35, 36. So he's certainly serviceable.
0: Yeah, career 36.5%. Yeah,
1: so he's a serviceable three-point shooter for sure. Um, Gives you another ball handler as well. I think he'd be a solid piece. Now, are you looking for Courtney Ramey to come in and be your guy? I I don't know about that. Um I know he was what 12 a game his junior year. I know that dropped off to maybe nine this past year, which is actually, you know, given all the all the cooks they had in the kitchen, I mean he was still able to to produce. I know it wasn't terribly efficiently. Um I mean I think he was 39% or wherever he was. Uh I I would love, and when I say love, I mean I would love to see Brandon Murray uh Illinois because I, you know, I think He's extremely attractive because he's a guy that gives you a ton of versatility on that wing, which is, I think, what you were missing in the tournament. Um, he put up solid numbers in in the SEC for, for a tournament team in, in LSU. By and the way, you're playing
0: six five two fifteen, 215, average 10 a game as a freshman.
1: Yeah. All, all, all SEC or all freshman SEC team. Um, and look, it's—I don't care who you are. If you're playing 31 minutes a game as a freshman and a, at a high major that's winning games, you're doing the right thing. That means you're guarding. That means you're doing all those little things, and that—that's somebody that I think would would make a massive impact for the Illinois team. Because look, this isn't a grad transfer. Right, this is a guy that you can build with. This isn't a guy that you say, "Hey, you know, he's a projected lottery pick next year." I think he certainly has NBA potential, and is he could he stay all three years i guess if he came to illinois maybe could he leave earlier maybe but look that's a guy that you can certainly add and he can make an impact immediately there's no question about it and then sky sky's electric man he's just different um you know he plays with fantastic pace you can't speed him up he's got a great jumper um you know he he's he's a guy that can shoot it uh and i think the most important piece with a guy like sky clark is he can play on and off the ball like sky isn't a guy that is just only dominant when he has the ball in his hands and look at any team this year that did anything in the ncaa tournament it is not just point guard shooting guards small forward power forward center it's all these different interchangeable pieces at the guard spot okay it's it's caleb love can handle it but so can rj davis it's you know, and, and 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 that that kind of one-two punch, one-two-three punch, if you want to call it, if you can get guys in your backcourt that can all handle it and can be off the ball and be, and come off of ball screens, um, that's the other thing too. That's that's where the hangup always is. And when I say on the ball, off the ball, you can you can look at a guy who like can break a guy down off the dribble and maybe bring the ball up the court. That's totally different than a guy that is good in ball screens. This is a ball screen game, and that's what separates a guy and either is going to let him be a guy that's on the ball or off the ball is how good he is in ball screens. So looking at a Brandon Murray, you know, Ramey, obviously good in ball screens. Sky Clark, fantastic in ball screens. But, like, all these guys, I know Murray didn't shoot it unbelievably well from three. I know he's 33%. But uh, as a freshman, it's always kind of hard to read into those yeah. types of numbers. And, look, I, I think you get any of those three guys – and, you know, Terrence Shannon as well. I mean, I know he was 38% from three playing for the best defense in the country, obviously would be another really good piece um, there. And I know there's some connectors ties there. There's you know, connections there. Um, but you always got to make sure no matter what it is that everybody fits in all those guys that I mentioned, you know, they're all great players. And I think that next step is just how do they fit in? Okay. Are like, are we bringing in somebody that's going to be a distraction? And that goes for anybody that is you know looking into the transfer portal right you know like how are they going to fit in what are their expectations um and I think if you can be on the same page with those guys and and you can look those guys dead in the eye and say hey do you want to come here and, and win some championships and they can look you back in the face and say yeah that's what I want to do and because because they've Illinois proven along the way that we can compete for championships and we can also help develop you. Mm-hmm. and to me that's the best of both worlds um yeah, and that's why going to a school like Illinois uh, the next step is obviously getting some more of that face time in March where you're going to a Sweet 16 going to a Lead 8 everybody's sitting at home watching it learning more about your program learning more about the, those said guys that you developed um, that just becomes more of a marketing tool and a portal tool uh, as I mentioned so um, a lot of good options out there and yep. and I think by the end of this week there's going <laughs> to be even more so you keep reassessing and, and trying to understand, like, who's the best fit and, and who can come and truly make an impact.
0: Yeah, I would think, Mike, you mentioned this in my last question for you. Yeah. Getting longer and more switchable, right? Like, more versatile. That's got to be the the key here, right? Because Alfonso Plummer was great. Trent Frazier was great. They were small. You were a small t- – Andre Carbot was longer, but, but really small. Um Now you're adding Ty Rogers, RJ Melendez, Coleman Hawkins into bigger roles, right? And some of these guys they're recruiting are either longer, bigger guards, sincere Harris is certainly that. Jaden Epps has got some size to him, but just a bucket getter. But, but most of those guys we mentioned are longer guys who can play multiple positions on the wing. So that, that seems to be the priority,
1: right? That's number one. That has to be. I think that it, it definitely showed itself big time in, in the NCAA tournament. Um, not only just when you're watching Illinois, but any other, like all these other teams, Uh, you know, I, like, and that's, that's just certain things you have to address. And this is like, this is just a, you know, a fair warning for fans, right? Like just because X, Y, Z player enters the portal, that doesn't mean they're the best fit at Illinois. I know, I know every guy who is this highly touted great guy, like comes into the portal. We all want to just be like, what would he look like? Oh man. I, I, If he does what he did at, you know, name a school. If he does what he did at Miami this past year and comes to Illinois, then we'll be this. It's just there's so much deeper than that. And that's why both sides have to do their due diligence. I know we always just sit there and hope that the kid chooses the school, but that's why these coaches are really good at what they do. Because it's doing all the – all kind of the background work to make sure that you're bringing in a guy that is 10 toes in – Um, Because the reality is they are leaving their situation. So why? And I'd say the majority of kids that are leaving it, you know, good intentions, maybe left on good terms, but there's others that did not. Um, And you have to kind of vet those things out. So number one is addressing those things from a a length standpoint, from a, a switchability standpoint, like you mentioned, a versatility standpoint. But right up there, 1A, 1B is who are these guys right and they've built a great culture over the past couple years you know trent frazier was was great i was great you know all these guys were great how do you continue how do you carry that over okay and then how do you get a kid that's coming from the transfer portal that may only be there for one to two years to buy into that because like for them it's just like it's just like a stop like hey develop my game then i'll go leave so who cares about the culture Mm -hmm. trent frazier helped build that culture because like damn it he was going to be there (laughs) right like he wanted he wanted to be surrounded by um so that's the other part too and and that's why i am obsessed with the transfer portal and it's not just illinois like i it's just like this guy enters the portal i'm like Geez, he'd be really good at this school, and like, ah, like yeah, I think his game, how's he fit in? It's just you and me crazy. are doing that with
0: Andre Cabella right now. Like, Oh, that, this school, yeah. like, what could he do at Gonzaga or Saint John's, where they just let him go and, and be free? Like, it's fascinating. It's it's really really fascinating to see how this will work out and uh the next month will will go a long way probably towards seeing what this roster actually is and at least now you have that deadline for for kofi april 24th you got the deadline for for may 1st of who's going to actually be in the portal uh for the offseason so it's going to be fascinating mike as you said we'll we'll keep refreshing on, on the transfer portal options here
1: correct correct me correct me if i'm wrong if kofi declares that's it He's done. Yeah,
0: you only get in the new CBA. You get three chance. You get two chances. Third time, you're gone. Brad even reiterated that the other day.
1: So at least now, because I'm even, I'm even thinking about, you know, a guy like KJ Williams who leaves Murray State, right? Puts his name into the transfer portal, or actually declares for the draft. Like he hasn't done that before. Now, if you're who, it's like, all right, well, is he actually going to go? Is he going to stay? We went through that with Kofi last year. So at least now you have some finality to I'll, it, no matter which way.
0: All I ask Kofi is just don't enter the transfer portal. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, he's got uh, no, he's
0: got enough leverage for the
1: NIL around here. I don't think oh, he needs he's to Oh, he's in that. good shape. <laughs> he's in good shape.
0: Michael Toop, you're the goods, man. Appreciate you, as always. All
1: right, man. Appreciate it.
0: Great stuff, as always, from Michael Toop. No, we went long there, but I wanted to cover every angle, and I'm sure you guys didn't mind that. With everything going on, With Alana basketball, of course, everything could change by the time we post this. But uh, if there are any changes, of course, we'll talk about it here on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts, and do me a favor. We are on YouTube. We put a bunch of video clips. I splice up some of these podcasts. uh, Even record some videos uh, just for our YouTube audience, and we put all our interviews up there as well. So give us a follow. Really helps us out. Uh, You get the latest uh, that you want via video up on YouTube. Just search Alana Inquire on YouTube and uh, do us a favor there. As always, you can go VIP, just $1 for your first month, and this is probably our busiest month uh, on the VIP side, so go check us out there. Derek got you updated with everything uh, going on with Alana Basketball, and of course, uh, I'm covering everything in Illinois football recruiting. There's a lot going on this month as well, and we got more in the hopper on that end as well, so go VIP, just $1 for your first month at alanainquirer.com. Alright, everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time, right here on the Wanna Enquirer podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition